This is Susanna Hills Podcast. We hope this message becomes a revelation in your heart and will encourage you to live a Christ-centered life. Thanks for checking out our podcast. Here's today's message. Wow, friends, I'm so delighted to get into week four. And today we're really going to start talking about our response to God's stretching. The first three weeks, we focused on the stretching of God. Jesus being stretched to bring liberty to us. We spoke about the God of the promise, how God stretched out to be able to come and come and really engage with us, to come and find us, to come and empower us. And today we're going to look at our response because often what happens to people is they just want to say, Lord, do it all and I'm just going to sit on my blessed assurance and I'm just going to receive. And friends, the, the, the fine line is that often when people are overly responsible, they take it into their own hands like we spoke last week and then they do everything and God's not involved and they kind of do it for God. But I don't believe God wants us to do anything for him only i believe god wants us to do everything with him empowered by him and i I don't know if you've ever experienced barrenness i know that's that's a foreign concept for some but unfruitfulness or when you are barren when you are hoping to find to give birth to a child you're hoping to conceive and then you do not conceive you are barren you can ask people the pain of of trusting the pain of praying, the pain of, of going for medical assistance and for medical assessments and, um, and finding out that, hey, it's, are we not able to give birth to children? I, I want to pause there and I want to say if you're watching and, and you are trusting God and you are maybe struggling to, to fall pregnant or you're struggling as a couple, as a married couple to say, actually, we are trusting God for children and we can't get children. Could I just take a moment and I, could I just pray right now for you. God, I want to pray for every, every single man and woman, every married couple trusting you for a child. I pray, Lord, that you will make a way where there seems to be no way. And like you've done it for others, I thank you that you'll do it for them. God, I thank you that barrenness, as painful as it is, you are the God that unlocks fruitfulness in the midst of barren places. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to tell you, friends, about Baptist and Aideen Kutsia. Baptist is one of the pastors of, of City on Hill Church International Baptist and Nadine got married. Marie and I had the privilege of walking them through their pre-marriage preparation. And I had the privilege of officiating their wedding. And I saw this amazing couple come together. I saw them just growing in God. And uh, I started hearing some of the promises, the prophetic promises about the children that they were going to have. And then one year went by, another year went by, another year went by. And I remember just seeing the tears in Baptist and Nadine's eyes of how they, they were struggling to have a baby and they were not able to fall pregnant. And I remember early mornings running past Baptist and Nadine's house, five o'clock in the morning and literally stretching out my hands over them and running past their house saying, God, I pray, I'm crying out to you. I pray, please give them a baby. Give them a child, God. You're not the man that you should lie. You've given them prophetic words. Now I pray, give them a child, God. Give them a child. And friends, this went on for months and months and months. And friends, I've, I'm, I'm happy to report to you today that Baptists and Nadine not only have one child, they've got two children. God has blessed them, friends. They've got two children right now. And obviously with that comes quite a lot of stretching and challenging because raising kids is not easy. But I'm so delighted that they were able to break barrenness, to go from unfruitfulness to fruitfulness, friends. And sometimes there's a prolonged season of barrenness. And that's, that's when we become a hopeless because barrenness often creates a sense of hopelessness, a sense of, of insecurity. 
especially, friends, the, the passage we're going to look at today was spoken in the context of Israel and in the nation of Israel. The culture in the day was that if you were barren, you basically had no security. You had no hope for survival. You had no future to look forward to. But the Bible says in Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. And often when people are unfruitful or when they are barren, they often lose hope. They lose faith and they lose a sense of fruitfulness and a sense of expectation, a sense of joy. And friends, I know that God's got a future and a hope for us and God wants to bring fruitfulness to us. The first commandment that God gave Adam and Eve was be fruitful and multiply and subdue the earth. God wants us to be fruitful. Now fruitfulness, friends, is far more than having physical children. Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you'll bear much fruit. John 15, you and I need to abide in him and we need to be fruitful people. We need to have the fruit of the spirit in our lives. We need to be those that produce fruit. We cannot be barren anymore. We cannot be barren anymore, friends. And I'm here to say to you, friends, it's, it's painful and tough as some of my closest friends and family members have not been able to embrace their own physical children. But how much worse, friends, is it for you to have eternal barrenness, to lose out on seeing eternal fruitfulness, to seeing eternal children being birthed in the kingdom of God through your life? It makes me think of the disciples that were trying to catch fish in Luke chapter 5. And when Jesus stepped into their lives, into their boat, into their space, into their, 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 their world as it, as it be, Jesus said, let's put out the net and let's catch some fish. And remember, Jesus said, fish are like people because I'm, you're going to fish for men. And, um, and, and the disciples rightfully said, Lord, we've, we've fished all night. Peter said, he said, we've tried all night. We've tried everything, but we've come up short. We've come up unfruitful. We've come up barren. No fruit, no results. I've tried everything, but Mark, I've tried everything in this marriage of mine, but I've come up short, I've, I've come up barren. Mark, I've tried everything with my financial situation, I've come up fruitfulness, unfruitful, with no fruitfulness. I've tried everything with this child of mine, I've tried everything in my career. Mark, I've tried everything, I've fished all night, I've tried all night, but I've got nothing to show for it. I'm barren, Mark. I've spent time in prayer, but I've got very little to show for it. I can't show much for it. I'm here to say to you, friends, that Jesus wants to step into that place. And this is why the stretching is so important, because stretching says, Lord, as much as I don't understand, as much as it's uncomfortable, as much as it's, as it's difficult, I need to stretch out the net. I need to stretch out my faith. I need to stretch out my expectation. I need to stretch out my hope. I need to stretch out in my commitment to you, Jesus. Let's go to verse 1 of Isaiah 54. It says, sing. Can you say sing? Sing, barren woman. You who never bore a child, burst into song, shout for joy. You who never were never in labor. He says, because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband, says the Lord. Now you must understand that Prophet Isaiah was prophesying to a people that had a Lord, that had a king, that had a husband. But in a sense, friends, what happened was, he's talking right now, he's saying, there's those that did not have a Lord, that did not have fruitfulness, and that's those that were not part of Israel. That's those Gentiles, those that deserve nothing, 
that are, let's, let's read, the desolate ones, the disconnected ones, the ones that cannot presume on anything, the one that's not entitled to anything, the ones that have not been guaranteed fruitfulness or even intimacy, the ones that have not been guaranteed promises because children speak of promises. And I, I, I'm thinking of Naomi right now. Naomi, remember in, in Ruth, in the book of Ruth, Ruth chapter 1, we see how Naomi had a husband and then he died. And so that means her covering and her connection with fruitfulness and her connection with, with, with future and hope died. But to make things worse, she had two sons. And these two sons were her security, were her hope. That was a, a way to survival. A widow would have sons looking after her till the day she dies. And if she doesn't have sons, she'd probably die of malnutrition or die of, of, of poverty because she would not be able to survive. So in a sense, like... like like, like that widow that, that, that Elijah went to and literally said she's, she's getting ready to die because she's going to eat her last meal and she's going to die. She has no future, no hope because her son was not yet in the space to provide for her. She was a widow. Here's Naomi, she's a widow and she's lost her two sons and she's become bitter. The Bible says she called herself Mara because of her bitterness. It speaks of bitterness. It speaks of unfruitfulness. It speaks of unmet expectations. It speaks of hopelessness. It speaks of a lack of joy, a lack of faith, a lack of grace, a lack of future and vision. That's where Naomi was. And while I was praying for this message, I sensed that there was maybe at least one person watching that you might have become bitter because you know the promises of God and the Word of God, but you've you're not seeing them manifest in your life. You know what God can do, but you're not seeing God doing that for you. You know the promises, but you're yet to embrace it. You're feeling barren. You're feeling bitter. You don't feel like you've got any hope for survival. And one thing that happens to us is in that place of bitterness, that place of disappointment, that place of, of discouragement, we often find ourselves complaining. We often find ourselves rejecting. We often find ourselves speaking words of bitterness, speaking words of death, speaking words of disappointment. And that helps nothing. That actually makes it worse. And so the, uh, the prophet says so powerfully, he says, the antidote to our barrenness, the antidote to our hopelessness, the antidote to our disappointment is not bitterness, friends, but it's joyfulness it's not complaining but it is singing singing with joy shouting for joy we more more than those that deserve it we you and i don't deserve fruitfulness we don't deserve the promises of god we don't deserve to give birth but more than those you and i can sing last week we ended the the, the message with the fact that you and i can stretch out our hands in faith like jesus stretched out his hands in adoration he became the greatest offering you and i can now stretch out our hands in worship and say our lives become an offering we can sing even before we embrace the child even before we embrace the promise even before we we, we see the breakthrough even before we see the fruitfulness we can sing that's what happened with jericho the israelites had to walk around jericho and they had to sing they had to shout for joy before the walls came down Can I invite you today to take an assessment of your life and to look at 
your life and could you, could you look at some of the barren places in your life, the dry, unfruitful places, areas of your life. I don't know which those areas are. It might be some relationships in your life. It might even be a, the gifts of the Spirit in your life. It might even be something of the calling and the destiny and something of a career in your life or, or, or a future or something of the promises of God. If there's a barren area of your life, could I ask you to start singing over that, to start singing the promises of God, to start singing the truth of God. Like Peter Rasmussen one year said when he preached at City on Hill, he said, we need to sing ourselves into a new season. Sing yourself into fruitfulness. In Jesus' mighty name. Verse 2 says, Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch out your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Could I say this? Do not hold back. Friends, the first thing we do when we experience barrenness, when we experience unfruitfulness, we hold back. That's when we should be stretching. That's when we should be enlarging. That's when we should be going the extra mile, stretching out, lengthening our cords, strengthening our stakes, I love the language here. Make room for God. Stretch out. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. Friends, it's so counterintuitive because our natural response is we need to hold back. And natural response is, well, there's not a future, so let's just preserve ourselves. Let's go into self-preservation mode. Even the church after COVID, could I say, Church of Jesus Christ, City on Hill, please do not hold back. Please do not hold back your faith. Do not hold back your praise. Do not hold back in your, in your commitment, in your service. Do not hold back in sharing your life. Do not hold back in your vulnerability. Do not hold back in trusting God for great things. See, this relation, this, 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 this whole passage is relational. The, the language is about relationship. It's about the inheritance that God's got for us. It's about you and my, me making room for the promise of God. It's about us making room in our hearts. For God to come and do what He wants to do, we, we, we want the Holy Spirit to move. Will you make room in your heart? Even coming on Sundays, some Sundays might be uncomfortable because we've made room for the Holy Spirit. And when we make room for the promise of the Father, He sometimes comes and it's not comfortable. It's stretching. It's, it's challenging, but it is God. Let's make room. I'll never forget when Joshua, we were expecting Joshua, Marie and I, and uh, we were so excited about this new uh, addition to the family, he was growing. We were watching the heart rate on the sauna. And what I learned about the stretching, the stretching includes making room. The stretching includes making room in your heart, making room in your calendar, in your, in your time management, but also making room physically in your space where you live. And what we did for Joshua, my mom and dad came and helped, is we, we repainted this one room. We made a, a baby room. And so we repainted this one room we put, we, we, made, we put his little cot that could become a bed later on. We, we made space for him to, to have, have where, where, he, where his clothing would be, his little cupboard where we would bath him. We made the room for Joshua. It's, it cost us a lot of money. It's costly to make room, friends. It's costly to make room for the promises of God. But I see that so many people have the promise of God, but they're not willing to make room for him. Some people, you need to build an extra room in your life. There's not space in your home. There's not space in your calendar. There's not space to make room. Friends, could I say this? That life group, light group, Sunday meetings, prayer meetings, that's where we make room. Those are opportunities to make room for God, to, for the promises of God to grow in our lives. 
We made room for Joshua. He was the promise of God to us. We made room for him. And when he was born, we had a space for him to thrive. If you get your baby's room ready, it might cost you a lot of money. And it might feel like it's a selfless act because it's not for you. It's for someone else. But making room is a powerful thing. It's a faith step. Sometimes you make room in faith, believing that the baby's going to come. And so it's really important to make room. Why? Because if you don't make room, how will you be able to house the promise of God? Because let's look at the promise from verse 3, Isaiah 54. Now, this passage is so powerful, I can preach weeks on it, but I'm going to just literally give you the overview of the next few verses. Verse 3 says, For you will spread out to the right and to the left. Your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities. We've seen this over our church. Our descendants, God wants to raise up our kids, our youth, to embrace the promises of God because there's so much more friends we've got a great inheritance verse 4 says do not be afraid you will not be put to shame I want to say this to City on Hill today do not be afraid you will not be put to shame do not fear disgrace the Bible says for you will not be humiliated you will forget the shame of your youth the disappointments the discouragements of COVID the disappointments of the past of the mistakes we've made, God is saying we're going to forget that. He says, and remember no more the reproach of your widowhood. You'll not, forget, you'll not remember the barren seasons, the seasons of trying all day, all night, and not being able to catch anything. Friends, I'm here to say to you that the key in order for you and me to embrace the promises of God is to embrace it by faith. Do not fear, the prophet says. You will not be put to shame. Many people fear disgrace and then they don't step out. Many people fear disgrace and then they don't serve. Then they don't host people in their home. They don't share testimony with someone. And that's how the enemy robs you of your God-given destiny. You make room by faith. You, you enlarge, you stretch out, you lengthen. You don't hold back by faith. It calls for faith, friends. You cannot embrace your inheritance by fear. You embrace your inheritance by faith. He says in verse 5, For your maker is your husband. The Lord Almighty is his name. The Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer. He is called the God of all the earth. He's talking about intimacy. He says your maker is connected to you. He's your husband. There's intimacy. That's the key to embracing the stretching. The stretching for me flows from intimacy. Friends, it doesn't flow from legal obligation. Verse 6 to 8 says, The Lord will call you back as if you were a wife deserted and distressed in spirit. A wife who married young, only to be rejected, says your God. For a brief moment, I abandoned you, but with deep compassion, I'll bring you back. Now, often what happens to his friends is that we know that Jesus Christ even was, was rejected by the Father. And so the Father turned his face from Jesus in order for you and me to be accepted. Jesus had to be rejected so that we can experience acceptance. And so up until Jesus Christ, God's like, listen, there's a brief moment where because of your sin, you were disconnected from me. But now because of Jesus Christ, I can embrace you again. I can engage with you again. He says, in a surge of anger, I hid my face from you for a moment. But with everlasting kindness, can you say kindness? I will have compassion on you, says the Lord, your Redeemer. See, the intimacy that we have with the Father is the key to more. He's gracious, he's compassionate, he's slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. He's gracious, he's got everlasting kindness for us. Verse 9 to 10 says, To me this 
is like the days of Noah. When I saw what the waters of Noah would never again cover the earth, that the, that the, that the waters of Noah would never again cover the, the earth. So now I've sworn not to be angry with you, never to rebuke you again. God is saying, I'm going to get, because of the stretching of Jesus Christ, because of what Jesus did on the cross, I will not be angry with you again. Someone's got to hear this today. The reason why you're not stretching, the reason why you are barren, the reason why you're unfruitful, the reason why you're hopeless is because you think that God is angry with you. God says, I will, I, I, he poured out his anger upon Jesus. He will not be angry with you again. Is he angry with sin? Oh, yes. Is he angry with the effects of sin in your life? Oh, yes. Is he angry with the evil that is happening? Oh, yes. But is he angry with you? No. Jesus' name. He says, though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, mountains, hills, steadfast. That is the reference. He's saying the most steadfast things can be shaken. He says, never nor will my covenant of peace be removed. He says, says the Lord who has compassion on you. He says, even though mountains and hills are unshakable. He says, even greater than that, my love for you, my loving compassion for you, my loving kindness over you, my love for you is more steadfast than anything. You want to embrace the, the, the promises of God. You want to be empowered to stretch. You want to overcome your barrenness, your unfruitfulness. You need to celebrate the love and the kindness of God in your life. You need to sing of His love. His loving kindness endures forever. Sing of His love. Sing of His favor. Sing of His grace. Sing of His compassion. A.W. Tozer said, he said, I can safely say on the authority of all that is revealed in the Word of God that any man or woman on this earth who is bored and turned off by worship is not ready for heaven. Now this reality is eternal, but also experiencing heaven breaking in to our earth, heaven breaking in to parts of our lives. I believe when you and I are bored by worship and we're not able to worship, we're going to struggle to engage with heaven. Will you sing, O barren one? Will you sing over your dry areas? Will you sing songs of praise? Will you start worshiping? Will you start singing through the Psalms? Just make up your own song. Sing to the Lord a new song. His mercies are new every morning. Sing to our great Father. He's rich in love. He's rich in love. He's so rich in love. He's so good to us. He's good to us. Sing about His goodness. Sing about His kindness. Sing, O barren one, and embrace your inheritance. That'll empower you to stretch. That'll empower you to not hold back. Focus on Him in Jesus' name. Let's pray. God, I want to pray every person that's far from you today will have an, an encounter with you. Your love, Lord, knowing that you're not angry with them, you're angry with the sin. You're angry with what separates them from you. And I pray that today they'll bring themselves to you, turn their backs on their sin, and put their faith in you, Jesus Christ. Accept the free gift of salvation that was bought with your blood, Jesus. But for us that are far, or that are close to you, I pray that we'll lift up our hands and we'll sing over the barren areas of our lives and connect with you and stretch out, take up our responsibility to stretch out and to embrace the promises of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us for today's message. Don't forget to check out our website or visit City on a Hill International on Instagram or Facebook for our updates, celebration times or ways you can get involved. We are also streaming our message on Facebook Live, so make sure you join us or share the post. 
Thanks again for checking out our podcast. We'll see you soon.